This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Back row and chill with Johanna James on Fubar Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome. It's Back Row and Chill. I'm here with Alexa Wall. You're back, you're back, babe. Woo, woo. It's Friday afternoon. <laughs> Pretty much the weekend started, let's just say. And it's a bank holiday weekend as well. <gasps> Again? Four day, well, I, I think a lot of people have taken today off, you know. Sneaky. Mm, sneaky four day one. weekend. And it's going to be bank holiday like next weekend as well or is something. It? Oh, no. yeah, it's May. It's Weird May, one. It? Yeah. Or at the end of May. I don't know. We're just, we're just full of bank holidays right now, which I'm not saying no to. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, right, we've got a really packed show for you today. We've got loads of guests. We've got our resident film reviewer, Lucy Patterson, coming in at 5.30 to tell you what is hot and what is not. And we've got loads of entertainment news coming up. So stay chilled. Noel is away this week, so Alexa is... Filling his, I'm filling in. I was going to say, filling his boot, filling oh, his seat. Oh, please don't. <laughs> please do not even try with that. Because it's just going to come out as some form of euphemism, isn't it? I know. I've got stuck already. <laughs> I was like, she's filling up his boot <laughs> oh, with something. No. 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 Uh, and musically today, if you are a fan of 80s cinema, then you might be in for a treat because loads of the songs I'm doing today are classics from that era. Uh, we've had loads of requests over the last couple of weeks to get some more 80s tracks in. So I have listened and I am doing it. If you would like to get in contact with the show, then just email in chill at foobarradio.com or tweet in at foobarradio and get involved. Tell us tell us what you're watching and what you're enjoying because word of mouth is the best one, really. Pretty much, yeah. It's the best one. And social media. Social, get all girls social media tweet us beep us whatever yeah. whatever, whatever. <laughs> slap us around the face whatever <laughs> uh, right pack show coming up so I'm going like, to dive right in there and I'm going to go with a bit of blondie <gasps> which my home girl exactly she's pretty much your like she's, she's my girl she's your like vintage twin she, she is yeah, yeah. well spirit I hope. animal <laughs> spirit animal uh, yeah we're going to go for blondie call me it's about growing chill That's my lovely presentation. Ah, brilliant. For you. That was fab. If you've just joined us, it's Johanna James <laughs> and Alexa Wool, and we're running back row and chill today. Woo! Yeah. I think we should just get straight in there before our guests come on and talk a little bit about entertainment news, what is going on in the world of film and whatnot. Go for it. Because um, there's not a lot of films coming out right now, apart from Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably yeah. the main one in the cinema yet. Haven't seen it. Gonna see it. Um, when am I gonna see it? I'm not sure. Monday. I'm, gonna, I'm, bank, I'm taking bank holiday and I'm going to go see what's out. And that was the one that popped up. Hmm. But, uh, right. So in the news, Johnny Depp, because you're a Disneyland fan. I, I mean, of course. Yeah. So Disneyland, Disneyland, Johnny Depp surprised <gasps> Disneyland people. This. He popped up in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at That Disneyland. would have scared the absolute shit out of me. Because I, really I think it. that ride is scary anyway. Like, I'm not a massive fan of mannequins, and you're going mm. through and these, these really weird mannequins moving and all this. Imagine if one just moved a bit too much. Like, no, oh, no. Well, well but the, by then, but then once you register that it's Johnny Depp, you're like, okay, I'm, jump in my boat. No, That's and I'd fun. be like, why is he here? Uh, what? It's just a very weird scenario. Well, I think it's apparently it's to do with his, obviously, in massive financial problems. And I think Disney Ooh. have gone... We'll chuck you a lot of money, mate, if you yeah. appear in our ride. So um, I think that's why he's dressing up forever. It's always going to pay the bills, Jack Sparrow. Well, yeah, it is actually. Always. They're doing another film, though, and I'm like, can you just not? But this film, for any like true pirate fans, it's got 
Johnny, not Donald Trump. It's got Johnny Depp. Obviously, he's in all of them. Yeah. But it's got Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley coming back. Hang on, they're coming back for it. For the from the original. No. Yeah. And the whole the whole story is about their son. Oh my god, I did not know that. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it now. I know it looks it looks really. Epic. Thanks for so informing me. Go check it out on YouTube. The trailer for the new Pirates of the Caribbean because it looks so good. So <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, Johnny Depp in Disneyland. And weird. Ridley Scott has announced, well, not announced, but he has gone on the record to say that he thinks that aliens are out there. Right, okay. I mean, it's not new news, really, is it? I mean, people have been wondering about this for thousands of years. And yeah, yeah, it's not news that. that the aliens are out there but Ridley Scott I mean I think we get the message he's made so many alien films now alien inspired mm. films and he's got a new film Alien Covenant which is about to be dropped and he's gone on the record saying he's spoken to people at NASA and it's like a lot of people's opinion at NASA that if you look at the data yeah it's just almost like mathematically impossible that we're alone yeah it's like well done mate we all already think that anyway yeah so <laughs> you know bit of alien um oh did you see that that film recently mm. the well i'm gonna try and say his name i can never say oh, it. oh jesus mn shayamalan Sh- who the bloody hell is that <laughs> he's the director that did like Shamahama. Six, six cents the village unbreakable split unbreakable mm-hmm. isn't that the one that angelina jolie did no unbreakable is with um um, oh, oh my god <laughs> Bruce Willis there we go Bruce Willis I don't know any of these films that you've just mentioned okay well sorry so no I no I do not know please fill me in it's M. Night Sh- Shyamalan <laughs> somebody tell me how to say his bloody name uh, he's a brilliant director and I do like his films they're always quite dark with a massive twist at the end like The Sixth Sense like I see dead people I've never seen it oh my god you totally should but I've just ruined the ending for you okay um, thanks for that <laughs> But so he said that the film um, Unbreakable, which had Bruce Willis in, uh, and his most recent one, Split, which was James McAvoy, with loads oh, of personalities. Yeah. I actually really liked that film. Okay, well then you have seen one of his films. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did that. Didn't re- that didn't register with me. So his next film, he said, is going to be a. It's going to be a, a sequel to both of those films. So he said, what people don't realise is that... Oh, of course. Jesus Christ. I've caught up with you now. Carry on. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. Split and yeah. Unbreakable. Because of what happens at the end of the split film. Exactly. There, it's the same That's universe. why I didn't understand the ending. So it's all Christ. connected. And they're gonna be, it's going to be like a trilogy. So he's like sneakily made a trilogy. I get it now. It's just like, I'm going to put one out there, mm. one out there, and then bam, here's the next one, bitches. Yeah. So it's... Makes um, sense. Yeah, very clever, but mm. a bit sneaky. That's a bit... It's quite cool, that, today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more people should make like random films and then tie them it, together. I mean, it would help maybe if he'd have thrown a bit of a hint so I could have watched Unbreakable before I saw Split and then maybe I would have understood it. Yeah, he's just assuming that you've already seen his like backlog of work. And it, it's like, a little Ugh. bit sort of self-righteous isn't it really i mean what what would you think would be the most random films that would be announced that they're actually linked (laughs) sleeping beauty and shrek that was the first thing that came to my head okay i'm thinking more like pretty woman and alien that would be okay yeah maybe let me try and think of another one um jurassic park Mm -hmm. and Mm. maybe like twilight skins oh 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 that'd be quite good twilight with could you imagine like you're having a rave you're having a party you've had a few let's say beverages yeah um you know blah 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 all of a sudden you're like let's go outside and have a barbecue dragon dragons dinosaurs dinosaurs is what i meant dragons we can add dragons in there as well i think that'd be quite good 
I Jurassic mean, Park if for. Any, <laughs> if anyone out there has any like film <laughs> ideas, that'd be really weird to mash together and make a sequel of. Yeah, please let us know. I'm quite yeah, intrigued. What now. would be like the two most random funniest films? Tweet us at Fubar Radio or mm-hmm. email in chill at fubarradio.com. Um, Okie dokie. So Brad Pitt and David Fincher, who's the director of Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they are going to join up together, and they're going to be doing the zombie feel the zombie Z sequel. Uh, World War Z. World War Z. There we go. Doesn't sound good in a British accent, does it? World War Z. Yeah, it's going to be World War Z. World, World War Z. World War Z. World War Z. World yeah, War Z. Carry on. I've got a bit of flu brain. I don't really know what's going on right now. <laughs> well, I just called it Zombie Two, so I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but they're going to be making the sequel, and everyone's getting quite excited. That I David quite Fincher liked the first one. Do you know what I did? I saw it in the cinema and mm. I thought, and I watched it recently. I think it's on Netflix now. Yeah, it is, yeah. And I was like, this is not bad for like a Friday night. Mm. Just, you know, it's all right, isn't having it? some snacks. It's great. Yeah, good film. <laughs> so good they're film, making Brad. another one. But did you know, a little factoid about that, that they filmed this entire epic ending to World War Z, right. uh, which was in Moscow. It's going to be in the Red Square in Russia. And they filmed it, and they finished the movie, and it cost quite a lot of money. And then they did preview screenings, and everyone went, brilliant film, shit ending. (gasps) So they said, a few months later, they went, sorry, well, Brad was the producer, so Brad probably said, sorry, guys, we've all got to come back, and we've got to reshoot the end. No. Which is why the film is, like, super high budget until the last 20 minutes. And then it just goes into, like, six actors in a science centre in Wales because they had no (laughs) money. So it goes from like super big budget and it ends on like a a shoestring and that was because it was on a shoestring and it was a reshoot. Oh my God, I did not know that. I wish they would release the film with the original ending option on the DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they have, correct me if I'm wrong. But I really want to see the big Russian fight Mm -hmm. version. But isn't that weird how... It's a bit weird. The entire ending of a movie just rewritten and reshot. It's you know it's quite a good thing that it worked because then you've got another one like Suicide Squad that just failed epically. Mm-hmm. But the editing of that was horrendous. Whoever edited that, go home. It's and just shame. they obviously had to reshoot half the film. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, and they cut and like, they just half didn't the do it. Yeah, they just didn't do it right at all. So World War Z actually worked out quite well, but the. Anyway, yeah. I went on a tangent there. They saved it. Mm. Uh, right, we've got more entertainment news coming up next. I'm just going to pop along to our next 80s. <gasps> what is it? Oh, I don't know. Like, there's so many amazing 80s tunes. I'm going to be just, like uh, dancing I'm through excited. the studio. Um, I'm going to go and look a bit footloose. Got to have a bit footloose. Yes! This is Kelly Loggins from, Good obviously, choice. the film Footloose. Uh, better and chill. Row and chill with Johanna James and Noel Clark on Fubar Radio. You are listening to Fubar Radio. It's back row and chill. Film review, entertainment show thing. Words of wisdom from what? Alexa Wall. <laughs> As well. <laughs> Just throwing it on the side. Agony ant. Well, we're talking all things <laughs> entertainment newsy right now. Uh, so we were just talking about Brad Pitt, like, teaming up with David Fincher mm-hmm. I was going to say tag teaming but that's not really oh quite... dear no 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 not that kind of movie uh, to make the <laughs> oh dear. Zomb- I keep calling it Zombie 2 that's what I've written it down World as. War Z World War two. Z 2 sequel so that's going to be quite cool mm. uh, are you a fan of zombie films? Uh, I mean mm, sure do you know what the thing about <laughs> the thing I liked about World War Z was the fact that the zombies were so epically fast mm. that it really did like made you shit yourself because normally zombies you think oh it's fine they only walk they only crawl like, oh yeah that's true and you're like I can get away from them that's fine I can outrun them 
you know, for no, sure. No, And then Rob Z came along and went, no, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, yeah, I'm yeah. dead. So I'm, I'm excited for that. But it's going to be a while in the making because they're, they're not starting filming until next year, which is been annoying. Ooh. Uh, they've announced the final Star Wars movie of the oh, trilogy. Oh, for God's sake, You're not man. a Star Wars fan? I hate it. Have you seen it? No. That's why you don't like it. It's so annoying. I challenge you, I'm going to dare you yeah. to watch the new, the brand new Star Wars. I don't want to see it. It's so good. I don't care. <laughs> you stubborn little shit. <laughs> You would you would like it, but the the so the next one's called the Last Jedi, and then the final movie. I which, am your father. That's what happens, really, isn't it? In the original, in a nutshell. Sorry, carry on. And uh, well, this one's great. It's all about like a girl gets to be like the last Jedi. Well, maybe the last Jedi ever. It's all kick-ass and cool, and she's very cool. Do you know what I heard? What Harry Styles auditioned for the young Han Solo role. I did hear that, and mm. he didn't get it. Nope. Nope. It went to forgot his name, but someone else who does look oh, quite yeah. good. Who who is it? We need to Google that. Yeah, we're going to find out who is the new Han Solo, but it was not Harry Styles. <laughs> it's not, unfortunately. I don't think that I they, would have seen it if it was him for sure. But I mm. think Harry Styles because he's such a popular pop star. Yeah, you're never going to be able to see him as anything but that. You're going to keep Mind expecting you, him. You would have thought that about Emma Watson because she's Hermione through and through, but now she's Belle. Mm, I, still I don't saw know how she. I don't, see, I didn't. I did. I don't know how she got away. But with you, that. you know, he'd be like Han Solo going through the Star Wars galaxy, and then you'd just be expecting him to go. That's what make you beautiful. <laughs> and I just wouldn't buy into it. So, hello. <laughs> but that was brilliant. For anyone who is the Star Wars fan <laughs> out there, the last film has been announced, and its release date is going to be the twenty fourth of May two thousand and nineteen. So make sure you put that in your diary because it's literally over two years away. Thank God for that. But bloody hell. <laughs> You know, they're going to be Star Wars fans that's going to be like I tell you what, I went to Disneyland about two days ago. Half of Disneyland now is about Star Wars and I'm very annoyed by it. Because it's Disney. Yeah, it wasn't. I was like, why could they not have bought the rights to like Anastasia? You know, but no, no, they bought Star Wars instead. Well, I am a huge fan, so we uh, no, it's good. It's good we've got opposing views. Yeah, it is because we can represent. I can't stand it. What do you guys think of Star Wars? Is it a yay or a nay? Well, Tweet I'm us. Get a lot of hate now, aren't I? Tweet us at Food by Radio. Who's right? Is it me or Alexa? Me. What? <laughs> team Alexa or Team Johanna? Let us know. Uh, oh, okay. More Disney. So obviously they're doing live action Lion King. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're making a live... Well, they're making live action everything, but... A live action Lion King? The next one is going to be live action Lion King. Okay. And Seth Rogen is rumoured to now be playing Pumba. Hmm. Which I think fits. I think he's a good... That does fit. I think he's a good Pumba. I don't know how I feel about live action Lion King, though. I don't know how they're going to do it. Well, they can't really use lions. Is that going to have to be CGI? Yeah, I think it's going to be like a Jungle Book scenario. Yeah. They're going to be doing Lion King, but it must be. Yeah. Oh. I thought I'd be more excited about that, but I'm not. I don't know how they're going to get... But, you know, I do love, uh, you know, I love all that. I mean, Seth Rogen will be quite good. And Seth Rogen will be amazing. So that is the latest news hot off the press for the casting of The Lion King. And Frozen, if anyone's a Frozen fan... Uh, I know that a lot of mums out there are like, thank the Lord, that's like two hours a day that my child just doesn't like touch me. Uh, the Frozen sequel is going to be coming out, but again, not until the 27th of November 2019, which is like two over two, two and a half yeah, years that's away. that's quite a long time for a sequel for Frozen. I mean, I know... I it, thought they would, they'd already yeah. started making it. I thought they'd be on that shit. Yeah. Because that is like billions and I mean, billions of dollars. I mean, I'm not... I don't want them to rush it by any means, because... 
it's not my favourite Disney film in the world, but you know, <laughs> it's like don't take you know don't rush it, but don't take that much time. Yeah, it's a bit too long that. Because all the kids who like the original Frozen are going to have their own kids, and they'll be like, well, you know. Well, I mean, it is only two years. Well, at the rate that young people get pregnant nowadays, <laughs> you never know. Uh, right, so up next we've got our first guest in the studio. It's Michael Yale and David Leopold. And they're going to be talking to us about our new play, Late Company, at the Finsborough Theatre. So it's all very exciting. exciting. I love a bit of theatre. Uh, right, so today, if you've just joined us, we are playing all things kind of 80s soundtrack. We're going to go back to the like 80s vibe. So I'm going to go for Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge now, which actually featured not He's only... in the rhythm of the night. Is nope. that what you meant? No, nope, wrong song. Oh. You're going to listen to this and be like, what? Jesus. This is the original Rhythm of the Night, but it did feature in the, the latest Ghostbusters movie last mm. year. It's a boogie. Get ready. We're going to be doing like our lunges, getting ready for the Friday night dancing because <laughs> I'm going out tonight, so I'm going to go too. lunge. Woo! Let's go lunge in the studio. You guys at home. Wine! We're going <laughs> to speak to our guests soon. <laughs> Back row and chill with Johanna James on Fubar Radio. You're listening to Back Row and Chill. It is Friday. It's the 28th, right? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I said just realised I went off the computer, but I don't trust computers that much. 28. I should really know this. Anyway, we've joined in the studio by our first guest, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. It sounds like there's more of us. There's, there's just two. <laughs> A legion of people have just come in. Uh, it's Jonathan. No, not Jonathan. Michael Yale <laughs> and David Lieber. Do you know why? The producer was like, do not call them Jonathan. <laughs> so Freudian slipped that in. Well done. What a, what a mess. Right, anyway, welcome, guys. Do you want to introduce you. yourselves and sort of what we're here to talk about today? Yeah, well, I'm Michael Yale and I'm directing uh, Late Company, which is a play at the Fimbra. And we open this week. I'm David Leopold, and I'm an actor in the show. (laughs) It's like so shy. And I'm an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could be like, and I'm an actor. (laughs) I think there are too many of us doing it. (laughs) No, no, I like it. It's like like, it's very humble. It's good. It's good. Um, (laughs) So the play immediately. I read this sort of synopsis about it. If you want to, you're probably going to word it better than me. So if you want to say to everyone at home what uh, what the play is about. Try and well, I try not to give too much away, but I think mm. you have to really say what it's about. And it's about uh, a couple whose son has taken his own life, mm-hmm. and it's a year later, and they want to move on and put their ghosts to rest. And so they arrange a reconciliation meeting, which is takes part over a dinner party with the parents of the lad who they think was the lead bully so everybody comes forward to have a reconciliation dinner party it kind of sounds like i could be very wrong here it sounds like a cross between 13 reasons why and an inspector calls Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well immediately when I read it I went, Oh, I'm watching Thirteen Reasons Why and that is like everyone's talking about it for for good reasons and bad. It's very yeah. on point. It's very on point. So this yeah. play is is very current. It's the European premiere, so it was written a few years ago and it's Canadian. So mm-hmm. we're gonna give we're giving it its European premiere. Mm. Okay. Oh so, so is it set in Canada or yeah. like yeah, relocated? In, uh, yeah. Ontario. Oh yeah. I used to live in Ontario. Did you? Yeah, when I was really little. Oh. I, I did not know that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All my like old VHSs is me, like mommy. <laughs> yeah, but I do like. You have to listen to his accent and tell oh, us. Oh, what's your what Canadian you accent like? We have to come and see. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. So, who do you play? I play the uh, a classmate of the boy who took his life, um, who is accused of being his main. 
a kind of bully, tormentor. tormentor. Oh. So he comes over, you know, to the house with his parents. Um, <coughs> so yeah, uh. and it's all in real time. They eat dinner, and you're oh, oh you're lovely. Right so you're literally it. just like a fly on the wall at this dinner yeah. party. Ooh, this intense drama. Yeah. That's I'm getting feels. <laughs> so this is good. Um, and it is so current because I do think one of the great things about uh, 13 Reasons Why is it's getting people talking about sort of bully culture yeah. and about how bullying has evolved. Like I was talking to my friend the other day saying, mm. I don't know if I would survive school nowadays with all of the the messages it's and like the social yeah. media it's, really yeah, isn't it? uh, the pressure of social media on we, yeah, such technology. young people we had, yeah. we had some yeah. people come see the show recently and they really uh, understood what was going on and they'd be mm. bullied at school mm. and they said the thing is now you can't leave it at school because you go home and you're on social media yeah. and you're still getting bullied so yeah. there's no hiding from it anymore yeah mm. for sure it's um, it, it is like I'm so glad that I almost grew up without that yeah. happening mm. and now it's just social media is you can yeah. look at it sort of through adult eyes and it's a little bit more you still get bullying even when you're an adult I'm not saying it's just the kids like people mm. can be mean and troll people all over the place but mm. uh, it's particularly dangerous when you're younger I think you're, yeah. you tend to be more you know impulsive and you're discovering things about you know how the world works and yeah, the fact that you have you know, the, yeah. the great thing and a bad thing as well about technology is that it allows easy access to so many things but it allows that mm. like, trigger finger it's so easy, yeah. you know. Mm. So it's just that much more hard to control, I think. Yeah, I saw a play uh, at the Hampstead, I think a year ago, a year two years ago, and it was about um, not 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 as serious, uh, not as deep as as a, as a death, but it was about how social media, uh, more like um, uh, revenge porn yeah. uh, for, for, for oh, yeah. can really affect people. And it was about this boy, and at first you were on the the boy's side, and then when you sort of it was the two families and how this the couple, young couple, and the revenge porn situation and it going around the internet and going viral yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And by the end of it, it sort of you realise that the you were more on the girl's side than the boy's side. It was such a good switch, but it did make me think. Oh, I'm so glad that plays are to the young people out there who maybe think that the theatre isn't for them or it's not yeah. relevant. Like there is drama, there's stories that is just about your life well we had uh, the second night we had 20 young people uh, not quite sure what country they're from they had English as a second language and they were, you know, took over one bar of seating and they didn't move they were just yeah, completely like, hooked mm. it was really cool uh, and then behind them they had women of a certain age who were the mums who again you know they're really bought into it and were mm. completely much, mesmerised yeah as much as it, it's about um bullying i think it's also about parenting and like how well yeah. do you know your kids and mm. um you know so i think what they it, get up to yeah exactly and like how do you monitor Ooh. that you know how <laughs> you know how do we how do you deal with that it's, it's a difficult question it's such a hard one because like my mum she types with one finger and doesn't know how to open like basic like her phone rings and she'll ask a stranger excuse me can you, can you help me out <laughs> like which button which button so it, it is quite hard for anybody who is growing up I'm trying to think of and technology is only going to speed up and it's only going to be yeah. more and now there's like how many platforms that young people can be on as well so before when we were growing up what there was like a MySpace 
and Facebook Bebo. Facebook was oh, yeah, new. There wasn't Bebo. that many. Yeah. And oh, then I now loved that was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, thought I'd lighten the mood a bit there. <laughs> if anyone's Bring still back on Bebo, Bebo. Yeah. yeah, tweet us at Bebo Radio. Is it gone? Is it totally dead? No, it's come back. I think they've tried to launch it again as like oh. some site, but nobody knows why. It's failed. Still on. So. I don't think they've de- deactivated. Same with MySpace. I don't think I we might still have my MySpace. Oh my I still have my MySpace. Yeah, floating around there with like emo photos oh, and everything that's bad it. times yeah. oh. <laughs> we'll just leave that back in 2003 but, <laughs> but anyway back if anyone's just just listening now like what are they talking about oh, we're um, talking about the new play called late company and uh, where is it where is it being shown it's at the fimbra at the fimbra theater in um earl's court earl's court yeah. Yeah. Earl's it is court. earl's court but it's just kind of further down because i hadn't heard yeah. of uh, the fimbra I was yeah, like, yeah. where's Finborough? Yeah, England? it's not far from Oscar. Oh, it's in London. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, okay. Yeah. between Oscar and West Brompton Station. And That's how, me. Yeah, how long's the run for? A month. A whole month. Okay, yeah. okay. Which cool. is, seems a long time, but it's actually quite short. Um, yeah. So if you want to get your tickets, where would they go to get tickets on the... Uh, on the Fimbra Theatre website, Not yeah, tonight. they're online, but they are selling out really fast. Well, I'm sure it's yeah. it's such an awesome. Very fast, yeah. And just uh, as a, as the uh, the backstory, I love the stories of how plays and films come to be made and come to be on the stage so how did you find it or come across it and think yeah I want to do this I've been working with a producer called Eileen Davidson and we were looking for a project last summer we'd just done a project Mm. and just read dozens and dozens and dozens of plays I'd worked on Canadian drama before so I was looking at new Canadian theatre and new Canadian writers came across this guy called Jordan Tannehill Red Lake Company game over like, <laughs> boom yeah. that's it it's that's, for me no, yeah. I have to have it yeah. yeah yeah so I'm just so pleased that it's on and I'm directing it and and David how did you get involved um, I was asked to audition uh, thankfully um, um, just got it through as, as per from my agent and then mm-hmm. it, I got the script um, on the Friday and was just blown away it was just one of the best scripts I'd read in such a long time and really exciting um kind of thing to be involved in and then I remember the auditions being I had such a good time um, and I could just tell that it was going to be handled in a good way um, and then I got the call saying yeah we want you on board and I was where were you when, where were you when you got the call I was lying in my flat in bed in my flat and I got the call from my agent and I literally did a little dance I haven't told you this <laughs> I literally were you in bed I like I was in bed <laughs> and then I jumped up and did like I don't think I've ever reacted like that. Really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did like a big dance. There's no dancing yeah. in the show. Backflip. Yeah, yeah, you got it all out of your system. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, apparently, I've spoken to a lot of fellow actors and they've said that the best part of a job is the moment that you get the job. Like, that cool. Hmm. And then, and, yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. And, well, maybe they're saying that at the end of a long day of a shoot, like, this is exhausting. Um, but it is that moment of saying that you you got it you won and then it's like yay okay now I actually have to do the job yeah yeah now I have to go on stage I was going to say it probably wouldn't be mine because it's quickly followed by you know the realisation the realisation you know but I think um yeah, I, yeah, I can totally see why, but it's yeah, it's followed very quickly by um, okay, get to work. The cast um, are all really close as well. They, they, we've had, it's it's quite dark, but there's humour in it as well. Okay, and, yeah, um, good. Well, yeah, you have to. And as a as an ensemble because it is an ensemble piece they've all just gelled and mm. yeah, yeah, they protect awesome. each other because it's quite dark in parts but have a laugh mm. and how have you have you gone public yet or have you yeah yeah, yeah. So you've got we had two days of previews and it's only our fourth yeah two days of previews and a press night last night and a press night tonight oh yeah. exciting and the reviews have just come out yeah. okay oh it's 
Don't read them. Well, you got to read them, but it's also like <laughs> read them. Oh, yeah, read them. <laughs> Some people don't like don't like it because um, they feel like it can mess with their head a bit. But but I'm, that's good. Yeah. I think that's good. Kick your toes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think if you let other people's words affect you that bad, then maybe you shouldn't read them. But for me, I'm kind of I'm quite good. It's brave. Yeah. It's brave. Yeah. You know. They're good. They're good. Yeah, okay, that also helps. Yeah. <laughs> Which is brilliant. And um, I always just like to ask, because it's my favourite thing, um, when stuff goes wrong, um, or like backstage, have you guys had anything? How have you kind of... Has anything majorly gone wrong yet? No, but yet. I always think some <laughs> of the best moments on stage are when things go wrong because then you have to collectively, as a cast, invest yeah. in still telling the story. And the audience don't know what story you're going to tell. Yeah. So it was an incredible... I think, you know, I've had moments on stage when, like, you know, something goes wrong or, say, someone in the audience drops something. Mm. And I think it's really important as the actor to... You've got to judge it, but sometimes if you are alive to that and then the audience see that... You, are, you take them in the same space. Mm, it's mm-hmm. so exciting. There's so many... Pro- people are drinking all the way through the play. Like, yeah. Looks like wine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and our stage manager has to make a, a cook a meal every night because oh, they have to sit yeah, down to dinner. dinner yeah. oh so there's going to be one night that something's going to go Yeah, weird. potentially, yeah. <laughs> there's lots of, like, eating and things. So, um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, one of the actors was saying that he had, like, something stuck in his throat <laughs> and he's supposed to be saying some really important some stuff. Some stuck in his throat. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. So he's kind of, like, trying to k- k- keep going. I really, and at I really the same time, he's like... Yeah, real food problems. Yeah, food acting. It's tricky. It's problematic. And you should keep Rennie's to hand. Yeah. Emergency Heimlich's off stage. Emergency aspirin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brilliant. Yeah, and um, in sort of like your previous work, because a couple of times I've spoken to sort of actor friends and they've said about these fantastic stories of when stuff goes wrong (laughs) and they've had to try and cover it, like especially in a Shakespeare. I was like, what do you do if something goes wrong in a Shakespeare? How do you cover that up? (laughs) And someone said that you're supposed to turn to whoever is on stage. (laughs) And so... And therein lies the end, and like walk off stage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you leave it with them. Yeah. Um, so. I had, you know, because we're right by the Pleasants, um, and in my third year at Lambda, we did Midsummer Night's Dream there for a graduating show, mm-hmm. and I remember we had this school in, and um, and a lot of them were on their phones and stuff during the show, and I was playing yeah. Bottom. And there's a bit when he comes on with his <laughs> ears, and it's <laughs> like. <laughs> And everyone runs away from him and they go, you know, and then he says, like, why do they all run away? And this little girl on the front row, on her phone, just, uh, she must have been like 12, she just, <laughs> she just didn't even look up, she just went, your face! <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, and I, oh, but w- luckily the next line, and this is why Shakespeare's so brilliant, because I think in, originally it's written for people that heckle. To heck, yeah. 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 Shouts but, to um, So, uh, uh, you know, and the next thing he says is, no, 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 this is all a trick, they're playing a trick on me. So I was able to just play it to her and keep going, but that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Oh so when stuff God. goes wrong, it can be Yeah, wonderful. it can, it can <laughs> go right. Or, you know, the stage can fall off, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. do it to their own. Well, thank you so much. If anyone's just joined us, we're going to recap again. We're talking about Late Company, uh, a new, new play, isn't it? New Canadian? It's, n- it's new for Europe, so it's a few years old, and it won all sorts of awards in Canada. And, uh, yeah, we're going to give it, we're giving it, it's European it's on in Launch. London. Mm. So check it out in the... What was the theatre? Finbra. Finbra. I wanted to say Farnborough. No, don't go not, to Farnborough. Don't go to Farnborough. We're not there. Go to in London. Elscourt. Court. It's not that far. West. It's only West. It's fine. Thank you so much for oh, coming in, guys. Thank you. Now, we're going to go back to some more of our 80s classics. Um, I think I'm going to do a bit of Bonnie Tyler now, just to go for it. Let's really go for it. Let's rank it up. You know what it's going to be? Yeah. Hold that for a hero. I've spotted it. 
and chill with Johanna James on Fubar Radio. Welcome back. This is Back Row and Chill with Johanna James and... I was having a right kerfuffle. I'm Alexa, hi. <laughs> I sat on my shirt again and I was like, ah. but I'm okay. Hi, everyone. I'm glad there's there's cameras in the studio so we have all <laughs> oh, of this no. documented. Right, <laughs> we've got our second guest in the studio, so a huge welcome. Yay. Jonathan Wakem and Mercedes Grower? Grower. Grower, damn it. I just like, I go with a name and I just try. And if not, <laughs> sorry. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, Hello. welcome. Hello. And you're here to talk about the Loco Film Festival. Absolutely. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. And that's like London, London's Comedy Film Festival, which I have to admit I hadn't heard of before. So I'm really interested about what it is and what's going on. So if you want to... Yeah, absolutely. It's London. Well, it's Britain's only international comedy film festival. Oh. So we source the world for the most original and unexpected comedy films. Uh, and it's really a celebration of the craft of comedy filmmaking. Comedy making comedy films is much harder than making normal films because so you hard. have to do so the hard. story, the characters, <laughs> yeah. the plot, the twist, the oh. surprises, and then <laughs> the jokes. So it's like doing 150 <laughs> percent of the mm. job. And yeah. yet, if you do it well. It looks really, really easy. Mm. So we felt it was really a, it was important to celebrate the craft of comedy, to recognise the talents who do it, because, again, people who make comedy, they tend not to get the Oscar nominations. The Oscar nominations mm. always go to the, yeah. the sad, yeah. the That's important, so the true. tragic films. Whereas the ones who make you laugh, yeah. Bill Murray does not have an Oscar. What kind of world I've is this? I've actually never thought about that. Bill Murray doesn't have an Oscar. Yeah, I know, that's, that's actually outrageous. We should start yeah. a hashtag... He's Hashtag Bill Murray for the Oscar. Get Bill Murray yeah. an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or a knighthood or a sainthood. <laughs> that would be great. What either or all of the above will do. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, but I love that because I am a comedy actress as well. And I find that, yeah, it is, it's very, very hard. And people, so ex- they kind of expect you, okay, be funny. Keep being funny. And it's like, actually, it's a craft. And sometimes you're not very funny. And sometimes you are. And and I, th- I think it's really great that we're going to be celebrating this. Mm. So where can people go if they want to like, yeah, I'm done for some comedy. What Where would they find this? We will be at BFI South Bank uh, from the 4th to the 7th of May. So that's next Thursday to next Sunday. And it's okay. four packed days of comedy films, training for young filmmakers. Oh. Uh, we've got silent films with live music. Ooh. We've got a first ever baby premiere, uh, which is amazing. We will have babies on the red carpet. No way! Uh, at the London Comedy Film Festival. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, like, what are you wearing? What diaper are you wearing? <laughs> seeing the interviews as well. Uh, so that's, yeah, it, it's going to be, and it's the sixth year. So it's wow. always a joy to be back at BFI South Bank. Mm. It is the most beautiful cinema in London. I want to come down and, I want to interview mm. a baby. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, do. Come along. Come along. They'll be wearing little bow ties. That would be brilliant. Oh, so if anyone was out there go, oh, I, I make comedy films and I, I'd like to be involved in this. How do you find the films and select them? Is there, you have to submit them? We, yes, we have an open submission system. So we, okay. but in about June, between about June and October, we are open for people to send us their short films and features. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always been championing new British talent that's been right the way through. So we have three programmes of short films. We have a programme of online comedy. Uh, we have a, a thing called the Discovery Award every year, which is for a new independent British comedy. So mm. that's, again, that's about people. It, I mean, for us, the excitement is to be able to put people's low-budget, independent, homemade, homegrown, handmade films <coughs> on the same big screen as mm. Oscar-winning films, big-budget yeah. films, yeah. films with you know marketing it's budgets. Yeah. So that's always been really important to us. And then we also now have a, a programme called the Betty 
and Peter comedy writing program. Uh, actually, but you should enter. It is great. <laughs> so that is a program where, thanks to the Cinema and Television Benevolent Fund, mm. we are able to fund new and emerging writers from any background, anywhere in the country, mm. whatever kind of person you are. You know, with as little experience as, as as you may have, you can send us your comedy ideas. And what we are able to do, thanks to this charity, is to give them ten thousand pounds <gasps> and a script editor to work with. Ooh. So it's really about just helping people to find their voice, giving people mm. the time and the space to find their own unique voice in comedy. And that's also in partnership with Big Talk, which is an amazing, obviously, production company who've made all of Edgar Wright's films and most of your favourite TV comedies mm. as well. So that talent development thing is absolutely the heart of the That's festival amazing. for us. Because I used to have this... So I've been doing comedy for about a year before I was like, I know I just want to be in Downton Abbey. I'm a serious actress. I'm a serious actor. <laughs> and, and then someone sort of sat me down and went, actually, like, there's like... No offence, there's hundreds of you trying to do that, but there's not that many girls trying to be funny, so maybe you should, like, switch it up and, and go that way, and you're always, like, falling over stuff, so just, you know, be yourself and go down that route. So I did, but it was really hard at first to actually be brave enough to put down my ideas onto paper or onto, like, you know, computer nowadays, mm-hmm. and, and actually be brave enough to, to write that down, and so that sounds something... I've, I'm just feeling like there might be a couple of people out there who goes, well, I feel like I could write something funny, or I've got some stuff, I've written some stuff, but I don't know where to take it, to put it so this sounds really up please my street, come my to us i mean all of yeah. well we had four uh, we were able to uh give money and support to four mm. people this year all of them were women oh fantastic. Um, fantastic. because i think women you know women have to have something interesting to say right sure. men do pub banter women tend to write <laughs> comedy that's about something that's yeah. very true you know, it's about what they're interested in it's about what they're learning it's about what yeah. they're reading yeah. there's real content if you I mean, again if you think at stand up if you think about people like Sarah Pascoe Josie Long mm. Izzy City you know people they're, they're writing and performing work that's about really important interesting things yeah well I was like I'm um, thinking so I if anyone doesn't know listeners here I think it's really ironic I'm a radio show host and I am registered partially deaf <laughs> I'm hard of hearing <laughs> wow. and I find yeah, and I wear it a and everything and uh, but the the sort of the awkward moments that come up in my life because of wearing a hearing aid and because of being partially deaf is actually hilarious and every time I tell people the story they're like you need to like write that down or you need to put it on something so I think that's where I'm going to start I'm going to start with my deafness please do I think <laughs> and I'm going to make something funny out of it but it's a really good point and I think we always talk about comedy being a safe place for dangerous ideas mm-hmm. and I think what comedy can do is it overcomes people's awkwardness comedy is a way of I mean, it's how we can talk about things that are difficult or awkward or embarrassing Mm -hmm. or things that people might be afraid to ask you directly. Mm -hmm. By talking about it in comedy, it says, we're all welcome, right? We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We all get embarrassed. Comedy is a safe space when we can admit all of the things that we're afraid of and we can talk about them openly. And I think that's the magic of of comedy. Yeah. You know, if you think about comedy films, that's the thing. Because the heroes of comedy films, they tend not to be... You know, they're not superheroes. They're not amazing detectives. Mm. They tend to be people who have messed up in their lives some way. And I think that's why comedy is this place where we can all secretly you yeah. know, admit the, th- the things that like, we screwed up in our lives. <laughs> and we can talk about them openly and honestly in a shared safe space. Mm. And that's, w- that's what I think is the magic of comedy. So the Loco Festival, just in case anyone's joined us now, we're talking about the London Comedy Film Festival going on with, at the BFI ne- at, from next week, from the 6th. 
For the fourth to the seventh. From the fourth to seventh. Thursday, the fourth to Sunday. Around the the sixth. That was the kind of right. (laughs) That's okay. Break is on the sixth. (laughs) And just sort of personally, do you have any sort of highlights uh, of the festival that you personally would just be like, oh, definitely, I'd like, this is my my favourite film? Or do you have anything that you'd like to particularly shout out? Well, the (laughs) very talented writer and director sitting next to me will tell you all about her film in a moment. (laughs) Uh, I think... I mean, other highlights for me, I think the closing film of the festival this year, which I think, again, coming back to what you're saying about deafness, is a is a film called Every Brilliant Thing. Mm. Um, it's uh, adapted from a hit play that was played around the world. Um, it's a show about a young man growing up with a mother who is suicidal. Um, again, very, very difficult subject to talk about. Mm. And yet... Duncan McMillan, the writer, and Johnny Donahoe, who's the co-writer and performer, have made a film that is so warm and so accepting and so beautiful and so tender that it creates this again a safe space to talk about something that's difficult and awkward so mm. I think and it's a really really special film they've really captured Johnny's performance and Johnny and Duncan are coming to talk about it uh, after the film so that absolutely right so that's on the Sunday the 7th at 6pm okay. um, I think another highlight for me is a film called The Other Side of Hope, which again, this is a difficult subject. It's a Finnish film. It's made by the great director Aki Karizmaki. Um, Mm. It's about a Finnish travelling salesman and his relationship with a young Syrian refugee. And so again, this is a film about the Syrian refugee crisis. If that was made as a documentary, it would win many, many awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And about eight true. people would go and see it. Yeah. If you make it as a comedy, as this beautiful, warm, compassionate film, I think it can find a really big audience. And again, mm-hmm. it opens up a space for people to talk about this issue mm-hmm. in a way that takes it out of the politics, takes it out of left and right and the kind of structures of the things and just mm-hmm. to th- think about things on a very human level. Uh, so I think definitely those, but um, I'm sure the uh, my friend next to me will have another <laughs> pick of the festival to talk about. I want to see both of those, and the Finns are really funny. And so Mercedes, your film, yes. What's what's that about? You know, um, well, Breaks is a yeah. So God, it's so we're having these earphones on. Uh, Breaks <laughs> is a weird film. It's a sort of upside down version of of love, really, and breaking up with people. It's filmed. Uh, the breakups are first. It's about nine couples who split up with each other around London, and you see their breakups. Oh, wow! First, oh, and then like rewind on the yeah. Um, oh, that's good. So you sort of end on a high, but yeah. then you sort of go. Yeah. Wow. Um, and is that based on real breakups that happened? Because that would be interesting. No, actually, because everyone keeps asking me that. They weren't. But then I was just saying, a friend of mine said, oh, maybe they're all you. But they're, they're not. They're not all me at all. <laughs> um, Subconscious you. Yeah, it's me stalking people. No, um, no, they weren't. I was just trying to find really sort of... Uh, I was just thinking about how many ways you can break up with somebody. And, and different... Trying to, just lots of different types of people and then mm. sort of also weaving it into London as well and that's, that's part of it. Sounds fantastic. I mean, breaking up with people, yeah, again, it's one of those subjects where it's, it's horrible, it's heartbreaking, it's like grief. But it's funny. But it can be hilarious. Yeah, it can be really, really funny. <laughs> and there was a girl, I think, she was breaking up with her boyfriend, having a huge row with her boyfriend in the middle of the streets of London and a casting director happened to see this no. and was like, Amazing! Can I give you wow. uh, like <laughs> you're perfect for this project? And I think she ended up being the girl in Hard Candy. Or, yeah, no, it wasn't or, Hard no, Candy. I can't remember. F- fish Tank. Fish Tank. Yeah, fish tank. the girl in Fish Tank. Oh, Andrew Arnold. Yeah. 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 Having a huge yeah. row with her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And was like, like, you are perfect for my role. Yeah. So <laughs> now I, you know, I just like pay people to have arguments with me. 
around Soho. <laughs> just in well, case. That's, that's the thing. I think it's, uh, it's a really universe. Like, everyone's had a breakup. So mm. it's they, they seem so individual when they happen. Like you're in this tiny but, bubble. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, it's so everybody, it's universal. We all have mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And also I feel like you're a bit out of time with the world. Like they're having that argument in the street. Yeah. Everything else doesn't exist. That's when very true, actually. That, when it's you're like having you're that in round, your own little bubble, you don't give a shit. I mean, yeah. you could say anything and be completely insane in front of someone, and yeah. you know. It's, and I like that because it's mm. sort of uh, you're ha- you're stepping outside of yourself without realizing it. Yeah, it's like a weird dance, isn't it? Yeah. That we're doing. Everyone has the moves <laughs> that they're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like I love all those old-fashioned dances. You know, um, in the can-can, they have them. I can't remember what they're called, where they fight. They fight and dance at the same time. Mm. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> it's passionate, isn't it? It's passionate. Yeah, yeah it's this is brilliant. So, what, what's the name of that film? If anyone wanted to go and which one? My yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Your film. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is it? Um, breaks, but it's breaks like a, the brakes of a car. Oh, but also could also yeah, play on the breaking. Break. Yeah, oh. because it's it's also the whole idea that it's a. Uh, you know, you get back on the... You, something goes wrong, but you try again. Like, that's... Mm. It, you do keep going round on the merry ground, so it is a bit of a stop-start yeah. on each relationship. And get back up again. What's the thing that... Plenty more fish in the sea and all that, whatever everyone says, yeah. which doesn't mean shit all when something happens. You're like, but I want that fish! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want exactly that fish! <laughs> that fish was for me! But, you know... Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. I think the other thing I would say, just because Mercedes is a very good direction, but quite modest about her talent, is that... I mean, one of the, I mean, Breaks is nominated for our Discovery Award alongside Ooh. Mindhorn and Chubby Funny, um, and I think one of the reason that one of the reasons that her film really stood out is that she coaxes these very very unexpected performances from some very familiar names. I mean, her cast list. I luckily have it written down. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, it's Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding. So both of the Mighty Boosh mm. appearing in a film. Oh, I think it. probably for the. Mm, almost first time they've been in a film together mm. in different relationships. Yeah. And Steve Oram and Paul McGann and Kerry Fox and Julia Davis and Peter White, who's currently in Hamlet of the Almeida doing amazing work, and Roland Gift and Seb Cardinal and Kate Hardy. This mm. is the most extraordinary cast. And I think what Mercedes has done is to really encourage these kind of big name actors to do something we haven't seen them do before yeah, Ooh, um, yeah and it's a really remarkable achievement I'd be mm. interesting to see definitely Noel Fielding doing something outside the kind of hello Kind of. Yeah, he's, he's really <laughs> that was my impersonation what? of Noel wow. Fielding. <laughs> well, he doesn't. He, he just kind of Noel Fielding. I just picture him. I just picture him laughing. Like, oh, he's ace. I no, love Noel he's really, Fielding. Um, I do love him, but he's really brilliant in this. And mm-hmm. actually, he's he's. I mean, he's really funny as well. But he's actually uh, he's acting quite serious as well as being funny mm. in this. Yeah, he's quite psycho in it. Oh, <laughs> surprise! <Yeah. and> <laughs> no, but not but not in a fluffy way. Mm. Yeah, he's he's great mm. in it. Oh, amazing! Well, I'm getting the feels about that. Sounds fab. So, when is that being screened? When can we come and watch it? That is on Saturday, the sixth of May, at ten past six in uh, NFT One, which is the big screen Ooh, at the BFI. The big actually, screen. Well, that's in my mind. The, d- directly before breaks, actually, is the is one of the other Discovery films. It's a film called Chubby Funny which is about two young actors struggling to make it in London, which I think is probably a familiar <laughs> story to many of your yeah. audience, and probably half of us in this room at least, um, which is another kind of first-time director, very low-budget film, very original film. Again, I think what's actually really striking in the six years we've run this festival is how supportive comedy performers and writers are of each other. So, I mean, Mercedes has this extraordinary cast in her film, Harry Michelle's film Chubby, Chubby Funny, you know he's got 
him and his mates because that's how you make your first film mm. but Alice Lowe is in it Julian Ryan Tutt is in it Anna Maxwell Martin is in it so again you've got these kind of big names really supporting new talent mm. and it. I think that's what's that's the lovely thing about comedy is you know is, the, is I think there's a real level of support and community between yeah. the kind of you know yeah, familiar definitely. faces and the new people coming mm. in definitely you should always put your hand down to help the next person up always because that's how anybody starts it's just mm. you get a little you know you meet someone you get a little help oh you, I should introduce you to this person so pass it on people Pass on the love and the support. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. That is the Loco London Comedy Film Festival, which is next week at the BFI Southbank. So get on there. It's locofilmfestival.com. So just type exactly that in. That. It's book away. And uh, I think it's payday this weekend, so there's no excuse not to buy a ticket for that. <laughs> this is brilliant. Thank you so much, guys, for coming in. Absolute pleasure. Really nice to meet you both. Yeah, we are lovely. playing 80s tunes this week. Please, um, can you play The Goonies? The Goonies. Okay, all right. Cindy Law for yes. The Goonies, because Alexa has requested it. This yes. is Back Row and Chill. And chill with Johanna James on Fubar Radio. Well, first of all, all over London, I'm seeing you, your face. Yep, <laughs> it's fun bumping into me. <laughs> have, you, have you had that experience? Have you I had have. A- I actually was on a train and I came into the station and I was like in line with my my face and I just looked down and hid because I didn't want anybody to go. Oh, no, I'd be like so embarrassing. <laughs> I tried to do the selfie. Um, but then someone looked at me weirdly, so I ran. And <laughs> no, don't want to be taking a selfie with myself. Okay. Who, who did that selfie with the dog's face? Someone did that. They put, <laughs> oh, with the filter? They, yeah, they put a filter. It's like they were a the dog and you were a dog. A little puppy. Probably one of my mates. One of your mates, yeah. <laughs> That's what I do, actually, with the poster. Yeah. So I saw the poster, and first I thought, oh, is it? Is it Shakespeare? What is it? So just for our listeners, um, to quick synopsis of, of what this film is about. Well, it's not Shakespeare. No. The reason it's called Lady Macbeth is because she acts a bit like the lady from the play, Shakespeare, mm. Lady Macbeth. Uh, the, the play Macbeth. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll start again. Go again. It's, uh, <laughs> not, it's not Shakespeare. It is, um, it's called Lady Macbeth because Catherine is a bit like the character from the play that people know, Macbeth. But really, it's because she's a young woman. Well, you take over. She's a young woman who's trapped in a loveless marriage, right? She's uh, married into this household uh, to a man who's twice her age, and she's told to never go out, to not see anyone. She's given nothing to do, and uh, she basically starts getting a bit rebellious. And there you go. <laughs> well, what is I really like about this is it's a period drama, but it's a period. It's unlike sort of any period drama. That I've seen. Mm-hmm. It's dark Good. and passionate, and um, I think some people don't give. I love period dramas. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm like Downton Abbey all the way. <laughs> but um, this one is just another level. It's like it's it's darker and more modern, but just set in the past. Mm-hmm. Super relatable. So, just in terms of sort of how it came about, how did the seed start for this film? It started with Alice Burke. She wrote the screenplay. She um, and I met for a cup of coffee, and then she gave me this book, Lady Macbeth and Matthias, which is the the book which we adapted the film from and when I read it I just thought this central character of Catherine was so compelling I love this woman because she didn't run away she didn't sort of shut up but she fought back and it was great to see somebody in the middle of the 19th century just be so violent and um, and not accept what she was told to do she was told stay indoors and she said no and so she fought back so once we got that then we went into this um, uh, to iFeatures, who run this uh, scheme where you can apply for a small amount of money to make a fe- feature film. And then we had to go through a series of rounds to get the money to do it, and that's where it started anyway. 
And Florence, for your journey, uh, what was, did you audition? Yeah, so I was actually on a boat to Isle of Wight and then I got a call saying that I had an audition tomorrow for Lady Macbeth. And I was like, oh my God, I have a day to prepare for Shakespeare. <laughs> so I like got back on a boat and went back to Oxford and then I read the sirens. I was like, hmm, this doesn't sound like normal Shakespeare, but okay. And did the audition, didn't think it went very well. As always. And it did, apparently. Um, and then... Evidently, yeah. And then, yeah, and then it kind of just happened like that. We did chemistry reads and figured out who was Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And then went up to Durham for some rehearsals. So it was all pretty swift and, and perfectly timed, actually. And how long did it take to, to make as a sort of behind-the-scenes, was it, from start to finish, shooting-wise? Oh. Um, the shoot, well, I guess it was 24 days to shoot it. Oh, wow, OK. Yeah, it was not very long. Mm. Uh, in the same place, and then we had two weeks of rehearsals beforehand. And then we had about 14 weeks to edit it, and we've been making it for about three years in total with the writing of the script and everything. So. Amazing. And just about the sort of period costume mm-hmm. because that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So were you all corseted up? And- yeah, so the first fitting, I was like, oh, Mum, guess what? I'm going to be in a corset and all this stuff, which is, you know, everybody thinks that they want to get in that thing. And then you get in, you're like, oh my back really hurts and everything hurts. Um, And it does take a while to just get used to because you have to start thinking about how your breathing pattern changes, Mm -hmm. how you're going to eat, because unfortunately when you eat food, it uses the space you use to breathe. So you have to only eat specific foods and you have to sit in a specific way and you have to make sure that you do all all the things that you needed to do, whether it was like exercise or wee before you get in it because, you know, it's just completely, it's different. You don't know until you're in it. And part of that rehearsal period was really interesting because we would do so many of these physical scenes where me and Cosmo would have to wrestle or fight or he'd have to pick me up. It would all change when I was in the outfit because, of course, I can't, wrestle the way that I would have done if I wasn't in a corset so that corset to me was actually probably the most interesting factor to the whole preparation of Catherine because that basically sculpted her it made me stand in a certain way it made me sit in a certain way it made me talk in a certain way and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have been in it so yeah and character wise uh, it goes to some very dark place very very probably Mm -hmm. the darkest place you could probably go (laughs) um how did you like get out of that at the end of the day do like it was gin. Yeah. gin. <laughs> I did actually. I had. I went on Amazon and I ordered gin and, and tonic. <laughs> um, no. So those all the difficult scenes were obviously all difficult to film. Obvious reasons. If they weren't, then I would probably have to go somewhere mm-hmm. and, and you speak be to special people. <laughs> um, and but no, I think. Uh, lots of those scenes we had a lot of time to really tackle them and we didn't just you know skip through them they were all serious and they were all uh, done well we shot in sequence as well so we started sort of quite optimistic in the way that the film starts and then by the end we were in those darker places and by that point we were all quite tired so actually fed into it we like it all got quite dark and then we finished, and then there was such an amazing sense of achievement that we had a massive party. <laughs> and actually, that's where we could then just let go of all of it. Yeah. But we kept it, I would say, for that last, you know, certainly that last week where all the stuff really starts to spiral down and become quite dark. That's always pretty helpful as well because you're aware of where you need to go. You've, you've covered the story, you know how far, at what point Catherine is already, and then mm. you go, okay, well, I know how deep we need to go now, and, and everybody's on the same wavelength. I love that. It's a bit well. It's a little bit of like a homage to a Shakespeare because you're doing like a play. You're filming it yeah. like a play, so yeah, you get to totally live and breathe exactly. all the way through. And just really quickly, um, what is up next for you guys? What's the next adventure? 
Off you go. I'm working on a screenplay with the writer Walter Mosley. Mm. Uh, of a book he wrote called <clears throat> of a book he wrote called The Man in My Basement, which is about a young guy in America who gets paid some money to keep another man in his basement. <laughs> so you think you think this is dark? It's going this to get. The warm up. This is the warm up. Out lunging yeah. for the next yoga. <laughs> uh, and for me, I've just finished a wrestling film. <laughs> so completely different to Catherine. I'm super yeah, no, it's it's it was probably it was so much fun. I had so much fun on that shoot, and it was exhausting and exhilarating. And I learned how to wrestle. So if anybody touches me in a club now, I just do like some sort of headlock takeover and it's sorted. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, and I'm really excited for people to see that one as well because, so yeah, cool. yeah. Me and Noel are huge wrestling fans, and we go and we actually know Paige. Yeah, do yeah, you? We, uh, oh, wow. I followed her like since she started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I heard there was a movie coming out, I was like, and you look quite like her, as well. especially with the black hair. And yeah, it was it was um, it was a phase. I did the pale and the black hair, and <laughs> now I'm slowly going back to Florence. But yeah, no, it was it was a really really fun Amazing. shoot. I think our time's out, but thank you so much. Thank guys. you. Super so Radio presents. Ian Find you some porn to watch and you can explain what's happening. What about Nipples 19? No, he's got a gimp mask on. I'm not really into that, I'll be honest. Oh, there's a bearded man who has an extremely large penis. It's a man in very tight red pants. Yeah, and, what's and happening? And a man in blue pants is putting his penis in his bum. Quite close up. How about Five this? in pussy. That's impossible. Let's see if it's impossible or not then. <gasps> oh, God, she is putting a lot of fingers in there. Yeah, five, I believe. There was a spoiler in the title. Yeah, but I thought there was going to be penises. Quality broadcasting, isn't it? It's I think. badly Qual- filmed. Quality Broken. No, I mean us. I don't mean, oh, the, right, I don't mean okay. the porn video. Every Monday. Ian Bolsworth. From 2pm. Fubar Radio. You're listening to Back Row and Chill on Fubar Radio. It's Johanna James and... Alexa Wall. Hiya. Filling in for Noel Clark today. I don't know what that was. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. How are you going? Uh, we're joined by our last guests of the afternoon. So a huge welcome. Tanya Fear. Hiya. And Hello. Sholamu. Hello. Hello, welcome, welcome. <laughs> um, and you're here to talk about your new movie, A Moving Image. Yes. So for all the people at home who are like, oh, I haven't heard of that, what's that about? Uh, what's the film about? <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> you explain the film, Tanya. Oh I've, I've done most of the explaining. I always give him the hard questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just say, oh yeah, I really love the costumes. <laughs> okay, so it is about... Um, a stifled artist, actress, filmmaker called Nina who returns home to Brixton after a long absence and realises that it's not the place that she grew up in. So she uh, makes, uh, she begins to make a film about the changes, the gentrification of Brixton and in the process is accused of being a gentrifier herself so has to grapple with her own sort of complicity in the issue. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a film about making a film. It's a film within a film. Within a film, <laughs> a film within a yeah, film. it was a bit inceptiony in the mm. sense of like you were making a film, uh, and but you were of making a film. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> I was wondering in some of the scenes whether people realised that you were actually making a film of a film or they thought you were making a film. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought that. Yeah. Like, especially the scenes, the public scenes, when you're talking to people. Yeah, I thought that. Like, did they know that it was you playing someone or... Did they think it was... Did they think uh, it was... Nina. Just, yeah, yeah, they thought it was Nina. Ooh, uh, I wondered that. I was like, ooh, this is... This is deep. Yeah, um, very deep. <laughs> this is brilliant. And, well, I was really drawn to the movie because I used to live in Brixton and I moved there um, 2000 and... 
well, I don't know, 12-ish, I think, maybe. Um, I lived there for, like, three years. And it was insane, the change in Brixton that I saw in just those three years yeah. from when I first moved. And I lived on, weirdly, I lived in the two places that you mentioned in that road. I, I, <laughs> I lived on the Guinness <laughs> Estate in Summerlayton Avenue, and then I lived on Rushcroft Road. No way. So I was like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. Um, I it's lived about there. you. It's about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I genuinely, the two, the two places they mentioned in the film, I'm like... That, that is quite weird, actually. I lived in both of those. And weirdly, I lived there and I think I fell down the middle because I wasn't the original people who lived there but I wasn't the new people either so I was property guardian guardian shipping I don't know what, what you call that one of them living guardian I was type a living guardian so I moved to the Guinness uh, estate after they were moving everybody out um, to stop uh, people squatters moving in but it was before all the new flats were built so I was living obviously in the old in the old mm. apartments and the same then they moved me to Rushcroft Road after all the squatters had been removed I lived in the the, the old old houses of Rushcroft Road before and then I looked into I said oh actually we really really love it we love the area we'd like to when the new people said oh they're going to be made into new flats we sort of inquired about how much it would be and it was going to be like £2,000 a month and we went whoa okay no <laughs> we can't afford mm-hmm. to live yeah. in Brixton so I had to move out because I could not afford to live anywhere else in Brixton looked down the road at some other houses and sort of thought maybe if we rally friends together we can afford it no couldn't literally couldn't mm-hmm. had to go out to Peckham couldn't afford Brixton anymore so this film I think was really good in raising that um, and I can only imagine how hard it would be for people who have spent their entire life there not just someone who turned up you know in their 20s and thought oh I really like this place I want to stay no I can't so yeah so how did the film sort of come about then so the inception of the film was um, through a conversation between myself and the producer Rinkia Atto who um, was born and raised in Brixton mm. but left and then very much like Nina's character found herself out of step with the place I live in Elephant Castle in South London and um, I had experienced regeneration in that space through what happened with Southwark Council and the Haygate Estate, mm-hmm. which you had a thousand socially affordable homes that were regenerated and in the new Elephant Park there's only going to be 79. So for me it was a real uh, problematic example of regeneration and it really spurred me to want to really investigate regeneration and justification. And I looked at Brixton because for me I, Brixton iconically has been the kind of space for black intellectual thought in this country. I've viewed it very uh, in the same kind of lens as uh, Harlem in the US. Um, and also going to Harlem and going to Brooklyn uh, in 2014, uh, also kind of seeing the conversations happening there that were very similar to conversations that we were having here about gentrification also filtered into me making wanting to make this film. Mm. Well, it raises it raises the point um, very cleverly, like we said before, because you're making it's almost like you're making a documentary, but you're also making a film at the same time. So it was a split down the middle between a drama and mm. also actually making a documentary. And was yeah. it real people that you featured in the stories, or were they actors speaking real people's stories? No, no it's, it, real people. it's real people. Wow, okay. it's a, it's a, the film's a real hybrid in the sense that it's a mixture of fiction, documentary, animation, performance art, and photography, all kind of. Uh, woven together through the theme of gentrification mm. um, so the, the people we talk to in the documentary fac- uh, sections are, are real people in, in Brixton yeah so a lot of the time you can't tell who's an actor and who's not and I think I don't know I think that's a real strength of the film mm. cool. definitely I, did either of you um, live in Brixton or have you ever been yeah, I did for a while. I don't anymore. I live in Elephant Castle. The producer in Kiato was born and raised yeah. in Brixton. Okay, so you've got the Brixton connection. Yeah, Weirdly yeah, yeah. as well, I'm going out in Brixton tonight. I haven't been there for a while. Oh, but it's yeah. a friend's birthday. I'm like, where do you want to go? Brixton. So nice. I'm like, 
weird uh, well, weird so are we weirdly oh really it's our release party that's not so weird <laughs> <laughs> it's our release party but <laughs> 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 I suppose we couldn't do it anywhere else could we uh, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a movie about Brixton and you do it in the, I don't know South no, Kensington we yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> if, we did it, if we did it in Kensington or I don't know Shoreditch that would have been quite yeah, ironic hypocritical <laughs> um, yeah and it was it's a hard one to 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 place because I think that there are you raise a lot of really good points and especially about um, the point that they make about your campaigning your character is campaigning about anti-gentrification and saying well but you're, you kind of lived in Shoreditch and now you're coming back and it it yeah um, it definitely raised that sort of uncomfortable situation yeah. yeah well I think as kind of creatives we we are complicit whether we want to be or not in because you know we'll go into an area and take up coffee shops or whatever make it yeah. nice and then then I mean you explain it much better than I do but then so I hear then the developers <laughs> kind of like <laughs> go in there like oh this is nice and yeah mm-hmm. and and th- we're we're sort of the the foot soldiers the unwilling foot soldiers of gentrification in a way mm. and we're s- sort of trying to deal with yeah complicity is the big word that we we explore <laughs> that was good thank you thank you <laughs> I think there is a, uh, the only positive changes that I could see was um, when I first moved to Brixton I, at first I'd only ever heard because I'm born in Lewisham and raised in Lewisham so I wasn't too far away but I'd only really gone sort of like the non-head border I hadn't quite gone to Brixton so when I found out I was going to move there I thought oh maybe it's really quite rough and um, even though Lewisham was just as rough but um, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. I, mean, I, like, I, I was really thinking about that because Lewisham yeah, is yeah I don't know why I was worrying yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I think I had like an image of what Brixton or, or maybe I had like Brixton riots or you know all that stuff and then I moved there and I found it just so lovely and the people so lovely I I never had any problems in Brixton Um, and then but I do have a friend who's a police officer who said well they've moved the the police office like there's a hub there and now crime has dropped massively in the whole area because you're 60 seconds away from a police officer um, many of them Mm -hmm. and and I did see that happen something happened in the street once and there's like four cars turned up within 60 seconds I was like whoa so I did feel I felt really happy and safe in Brixton so the positives I guess of lots of people moving to the areas the crime rate has gone down massively um, and uh, but I, I guess I mean what you're, what you're saying there is that um, all of a sudden there was a heavier police presence um, and police were actually doing their job at that mm. f- and, but the thing is it seems like they were doing that potentially for a new clientele why wasn't that always the case to some yeah. degree yeah why, okay. why, yeah, why, why wasn't that. there you, you I see, can see that you understand I mean I think there's this uh uh, this is a, a thing that I think uh, Spike Lee was talking about in Brooklyn. In, um, it's a similar thing where, okay, now you have all of this, this, these, I guess, more affluent members in the, of the community in the space. Um, now the, the the rubbish is getting cleaned on time. Now all of these extra perks things are, are, are happening, things that could have happened before, but why mm-hmm. why why didn't they? Yeah, that's well. It's a hard one to see whether yeah, who came first was it. Did the, the, they decide to set the police station up there because of people moving to the area, or did they set the police up and then people move to the area? And go, oh, it's safe now. We can come along. Um, it's yeah, it's a hard one. But I did feel 
I did feel that there was like a reputation that Brixton had that I didn't experience. I found it very, very nice. Mm. Um, I, I, I agree with you on that reputation, but my producer, Rinky, and it would have been great if she was here, she will speak to a really strong community. Even in that era, that, era, that time people were talking about uh, high crime, She her, her personal experience were very much similar to your experience of feeling very safe and really, feeling very solid in her community. Mm. I mean, the thing is, there is this um, media demonization that goes on um, definitely went on in on the Haygate estate uh, estates become sink estates because the media present them as such yeah. when again that's another space where there was a community there existing before you saw the Haygate estate on Harry Brown before you saw that Haygate estate on Luther being this kind of cesspit of kind of crime yeah. there was a community there the whole time but it's all about how these things are depicted I saw that with the the Guinness Trust estate because I it, it, I was in the sort of the switchover. So there were people who had lived there since the fifties, and there was like little old ladies that used to like help them up the stairs and stuff. And and yeah, the people who actually lived there and were so sad at being moved out because I'm assuming mm. that everyone that moved out didn't get to move back in again to the new ones. Mm. And um, a lot of them were saying that they they were given options. Yeah, like completely out of London, which was. Seriously unfair. It's like, yeah, we've got a brand new house in, you know, Cornwall. Like, what? Um, the, the, communi- the sense of community on the estate, because I hadn't lived on... I'd lived near estates, but not in one. Mm. And I'm so glad that I got that experience because the people there were majority lovely. A couple of people, you know, hanging in the stairwell that you're a little bit like, hey, can I get past? But, um, but majority people were just so nice. And there was like, it was like a different level of family that you would get on a street, I would yeah. say. Yeah, with the Guinness Trust, what's interesting is that uh, one of the characters, well, not characters, the, one of the documentary segments uh, features a lady called Batil Mahari, who was actually on the Guinness Trust, mm. who actually led the campaign to try and maintain her presence in that space, but was unfortunately moved off that uh, and wasn't able to re- return to Brixton. Uh, there's a scene where we follow her into her shop, which is also in Brixton, uh, which is also now on the threat of being shut. Um, mm. And then, and basically, she's lost her home in Brixton through the Guinness Trust and what happened there. And now the shop is actually closed, so she's also lost her business in Brixton. Mm, and this is a single mother of two. Um, so I think the film, as well as highlighting the kind of um, arty kind of artist s types Nina characters. Uh, played by Tanya is also looking at the people at the front lines of gentrification as well and is trying to find a cohesive gel between all of it mm, that yeah. would be it, ideally it would be great to have like a harmonious you know if we could if maybe that's just a dream but someone who, all the benefits of some of the new things that are arriving and the benefits of, of yeah this film like really um poses the question you know who gets to participate in this regeneration and that that's what we want people to mm. to really think about yeah. and if people fancy checking out the movie how would they go about doing do it, it do it do it well the, <laughs> the movie opens tonight at the ritzy in brixton and it's also at the hackney picture house um before opening wider amazing. the following week yeah amazing so yeah. people are gonna so you can check out um is there a website be ritzy wouldn't it no just www.amovingimagefilm.com oh okay there it is there was the <laughs> There was the link. Yeah. And Tanya, how did you get involved in the project? Because you were acting. Yes, previously. I've been acting for a while now. Uh, yeah, well, Shola and I are actually like the best of friends. <laughs> I go, I keep going around the interview saying, he's my best friend. And then I just like look over like, do you like me? Uh, <laughs> smile. No, we've been, yeah, we've been really good friends for about four or five years. We, um, we actually became friends after working together on a short film that he directed uh, yeah, a few years ago now. 
and yeah we just stayed in touch and always wanted to work together again so we've been talking about this film for a long long time and mm. he did sort of write it with me in mind to play this character and we a lot of the, I think a lot of it is I don't want to say uh, about me <laughs> but no as it, there's a lot of, inspired I, yeah, by because he knows me as a person I think that he really tried to, to to achieve that sort of seamless effect of, you know, whether you're acting or whether it's real, you know. I mm. think a lot of me, he put a lot of me into the script. Yeah. There's a lot of time. Cool. <laughs> the dancing bits. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and what is, what is next for you two, uh, either together or sort of separately, professionally? What, what are your next projects, next moves? Uh, I'm developing my next feature film with the BFI. Uh, it's, it's a personal story. I'm, I don't want to talk too much on it, but it's a, it, it's a looks at the connection between Nigeria and the UK. Okay, mm. cool. I'm doing a bit of TV at the moment, but I can't say what. <laughs> NDA <laughs> disclosure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can maybe do it. It rhymes with... Shmash of Shmash. Okay, we definitely got to talk about it. Um, well, thank you guys so much for coming in. Just to recap, it's a moving image. Uh, if you guys want to go check out the film, it is opening tonight. Ritzy and Brixton. I'm also going to be, we're all going to be rolling around Brixton tonight. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll be flying around Brixton. <laughs> 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 Woo! Brixton back, girl. Um, this is, no, it was, it was a very cool, you know, like a documentary slash drama which was mm, uh, thank you a drama mentry no that doesn't really work oh god no <laughs> no we could do a dramedy which it'll is a drama comedy so yeah. I tried and I failed never mind um, um, well, thank you so much guys uh, <laughs> we've you. been doing lots of 80s classic movie tunes today for the music so we're gonna go out on uh, Turning Japanese by The Vapors it's back row into <laughs> Japanese, I think. Oh, well, no, we're live. I was not prepared for that whatsoever. I love that song. I think it's great. I don't, you know, I mean, now would it be acceptable? It's a bit on the edge of racism. I don't know, but it was in the 80s. It's a vintage record. So you can play it. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Welcome, Lucy Patterson, to the show. It is film review time, part of the show where we talk about what we've seen, what we like, what we don't like, and we want you guys to get involved as well. So if there's any movies that you've seen that you think are fantastic, or any movies that you're looking forward to, or anything you've seen is shit, just tweet us at Fubar Radio. <laughs> a lot. <No. laughs> tweet us a lot. We will uh, we'll shout you out. Uh, or email chill at foobarradio.com and let's get a conversation going. Yeah. Um, there's, there again, it's not a lot coming out at the moment um, mm, it's been a bit of a poor effort really yeah. apart from the obvious apart from, yeah, yeah apart from Guardians of the Galaxy which I haven't seen yet because I'm going to see it on Monday mm. um, there's not a lot out so I've been watching a lot of Netflix me too yeah me too yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I do want to mention um, um, is the Lady Macbeth because that is coming out tonight Ooh. Um, and earlier in the show we did an interview with Florence you and Lovely. the director of, of Lady Macbeth and um, you might if you're in London I'm not sure about outside of London but in London there is just posters everywhere for this movie actually yeah I, I saw them on my way in quite yeah. a lot of them yeah, yeah. There's, they've won a massive campaign yeah. which actually I've got to say has worked because I saw the poster and went oh I want to no, what is this yeah. Um, yeah. and it is it is really cool and at first again I thought it was maybe like a Macbeth adaptation it's yeah. not Shakespeare it is a character it's a story standalone story but it is based on the idea of a woman like Lady Macbeth who is just ruthless for what she wants excellent Um, and it's it's like just what we like (laughs) love film like that it's like some sort of like raunchy kind of skins 
but set in it's just ticking all the boxes but, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> tick, 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 tick 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 yes. but <laughs> set in Victorian times so which actually I think helps escalate the whole movie because yeah. it's about this young girl who's absolutely gorgeous got total girl crush on Florence Pugh and she uh, is like 17 and she has to get married to this a lot older guy yeah. who is uh, he kind of um, you know he bosses her around he's rude to her he doesn't sleep with her um, I mean dickhead yeah. <laughs> Give her the D. I mean, what is wrong with that? Give a girl a bit of If you're going to marry someone you don't want to marry, then at least, like, just have sex with her. Just close your eyes. Give her a little Uh, Yeah. And he, like, he he basically says, I ban you to the house, kind of, kind of like husband. And, you know, the feminist in me. Yeah. Exactly. He's already like, what the F? So, um, anyway, she ends up uh, coming across the new stable boy who's a bit of a bad boy. (laughs) Oh, cheeky. He just sounds like Paul. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and they end up having, like, the most lusty affair Excellent. ever. This sounds fantastic. It yeah. does, doesn't it? Uh, but then, obviously, the husband finds out, and oh. it's all, you know, and um, then, just like in the Macbeth, murder starts to happen. Excellent. So, it's all... it's all I mean, you've got bloody everything in there, haven't you? Everything you want and need. Yeah. So, Lady Macbeth, I think it's it's just... It's so modern, but just set in the olden days so I think it'd be a really good if you're if you're not into your period drama yeah. this would be a brilliant start like an introduction yeah. to it yeah and Florence Pugh is just so watchable and headed I think she's headed to like crazy good places brilliant. so I'm super excited about that. Yay. I, I really, to go and really want that. to see it. Yeah, so Lady yeah. McBeth out. So if you don't, or if you can't get into Guardians of the Galaxy tonight, if it is full, mm-hmm. go see Lady McBeth. Yeah, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a good one. And support, you know, British British cinema. Yes, always do that. Um, Absolutely. Just before we forget, because last week we launched a huge competition, yeah. um, and we have got, we're going to announce the winners. So let me just see who won this week's. Competition. Oh, it's on the paper. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not on there. I, just to, I just need to read. Um, so we had two competitions. First is a signed copy of Alison Kugel's book, Journaling Fame: A Memoir of a Life Unhinged, uh, and on the record. And it goes to Dave Simon from Blackpool. So thanks for getting involved. Woo! Lovely. Well done, Dave. Well done, Dave. You have won that copy of that book. And for our prize for Sully Miracle on the Hudson, we got a big bundle of prizes for that. It was a film, or well, the film. Was an untold story of emergency plane landing on the yep, River Hudson. It was Tom see Hanks, it? wasn't it? Tom Hanks, yeah. yeah. So you could win a DVD, a hoodie, a duffel bag, um, and the winner it goes to Michael Anderson on Southend on Sea. Oh yay, yeah, Michael representing Essex. Well done, hometown. Yeah. So well done, Michael. Um, you get that big, huge bundle. Um, You're so lucky. I know. Well, we're just giving out prizes. Can I have it? Yeah, see, I get so annoyed because I can't have these cool prizes. So unfair. I know. I see them go through the office and I can't touch them. And we've got another really cool prize. If you are a dog lover, or if you, or even if you don't have a dog, you could, you can still win it. We're not going to be, we're not going to judge you. Um, a Dog's Purpose, the movie. We've got a Dog's Purpose merchandise to give away. It's a comedy drama based on a novel of the same name about a dog who finds the meaning of his own existence. Oh, it looks hasn't that so got, adorable. Hasn't that got Archie from Riverdale? Again? Yeah. Yeah, it has actually. Yeah. Oh, well, I know it's got Dennis Quaid and Josh Gad. KJ Apper. Yes. Not that I have stalked him no, on the insta- internet at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, for your chance to win a dog treat jar, a dog blanket, dog bowl, a ball launcher, and a bag dispenser. Oh, I mean, wow, swag. You're kitted out. <laughs> Just go to our Twitter account at Fubar Radio and retweet our pin tweet right now. Uh, we're going to release the winner next week. Release the winner. Go, we're going to announce the winner. I'm thinking about dogs, aren't we? <laughs> Release the house! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we shall release the winner. Oh. You're, you're, free you go. Go. you're free to go. You're free to go now, winner. We do not keep. Brilliant. Just to clarify, we Brilliant. do not keep any people overnight at Boom Our Room oh. against their will. Oh, oh, dear. Major cock up. Yeah. It's all right. It's nearly the end. It's fine. It's fine. Right, good. That was the competitions. Back to film reviews. So, uh, what else have people been watching um, if the cinema hasn't been really like getting your buzz in what else have you been watching on your well I actually did go to the cinema oh what did you see <laughs> last night I was still there at 2 o'clock this morning no there was like this fancy pants double bill of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 oh and 2 God. in IMAX it got to half past 2 and I was like this film needs to end in a minute please <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what was it like right oh dear Oh, we, oh we, dear. the reason I was brought on here is because of my honesty. Yeah, and, I like that. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get some sort of backlash for this, but it wasn't as good as I was expecting it to be. Oh, mm. yeah. Now I will say that it was absolutely amazing. The CGI was brilliant. The characters, obviously, it's lovely to get more of those characters that we all just completely fell in love yeah. with. I didn't, um, but anyway. <laughs> You've just stunned me to silence. You know, so their, their first film is so cool and so funny and, mm-hmm. you know, it, absolutely perfect. I can't pick one single hole in the first film. And I think what didn't help is that because I watched that literally 10 minutes before I watched the second one, mm. I was reminded of how mind-blowing and how beautiful that film is. I just love it. You know, it is one of my favourite, if not my favourite, Marvel film. Um so when, when the first one started, I thought, okay, this is good. You know, this is really good. It's funny. Yeah. Um, they've ramped up everything. They've taken the humour of the first one, uh, the action of the first one, the the relationships between the characters of the first one and amplified it about 100 times. Up to 11. Yeah, exactly. Up okay. to 11. Well done. Good reference. Um but sometimes it was making me cringe a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, too much, too much. Um, I, I will say that everyone does need to go and see it. Go and see yeah, it. You know, I sure. saw it in IMAX and I had a headache at the end of it because it was so, there was so much. Yeah. And it was so colourful and amazing. And like I said about the relationships between the characters, mm. they were developed a lot further. You know, and there was a few more people in it. Um, Kurt Russell. Makes oh, yeah. an appearance, which is lovely to see. Tommy Flanagan is there. You know, blink if you're missing, but he, but he's there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was quite upset about that. But um, yeah, I mean, go and see it. Try and see it in IMAX as well to appreciate the art of filmmaking. You know, it, even the non-CGI cinematography was mm. beautiful. You know, it really, really was. But it it just took that step into ridiculous right mm. further than a superhero film should go really and it was a little bit cheesy at times do you think they were panicking about trying to up like a bit this of this is the thing yeah like i said the first one in my opinion is so perfect what were they going to do they had to they had no choice but to take mm. it further yeah but they took it a little bit, bit too, too far, far. But please, yeah. I will say this again, don't take me slagging it off as that it's a shit film. It's not. It's an absolutely amazing film. How but, is, you know. How is the soundtrack? No. Now, because I, lo- I just see, this, fell this in love thing, with though, the first Jana, one. Everyone fell in love with the first one because it was amazing. They couldn't top it. They How can you top that? Yeah. You know, they it, they did the same thing with, you know, the, the old 60s, 70s, 80s songs, whatever, um, on the second mixtape that his mum left him at the end of the first film. Ah. Um, 
but not all of them were instantly recognisable. Right, okay. You yeah. know, there were a few that I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. You know, I like, literally wanted to dance in the cinema. But <laughs> the majority of them, I was thinking, oh, you could have picked a much better song for this. Yeah. You know. Apparently the rumours were that the first film, it was an actual mixtape that somebody had made somebody. I genuinely hope it was. So they, mm. the, And the, I'm really happy for the recipient of that mixtape. <laughs> yeah. Because it was amazing. So whoever made that one, yeah. like sort out, you know. know. So apparently all, it was, it was, they literally took it from, that's amazing from a mixtape that somebody had given somebody yeah. and they said this, this should be all of the films thing. Yeah. I don't know how true that is I want it to be true so I badly want it to be so true. I'm not going to research it anymore <laughs> in case it's not right but yeah you know the, all the elements are there James Gunn wrote it again and I think he just sort of ran away with it and just went a bit too far with certain things and it was just a little bit cringy sometimes people might watch it and think shut up Lucy you're talking out your ass." but yeah. you know I it's my job not to watch films like a normal person. <laughs> I'm there to rip the shit out of it when it needs to yeah. be done, you know. But yeah, please go Good, and see like it. Like that go honest best friend everybody needs. Exactly. Do I look shit in this? Yes, you yes, do. Yes, you do. Yeah. Go and get changed. Awful change to colour makes you look sick. Go away. Um, no, which is brilliant. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm still going to go and see yes, it. Yes, no, but verdict is go and see it, but just relax and have fun with it. Yeah. Don't watch it like an abnormal person that's trying to find fault you know See, you won't you'll enjoy a, it I wasn't a massive fan of the first one I absolutely loved it I thought it was a bit boring you don't I, like spacey kind no. of film no I'm not that kind of person I don't know Like I do like Chris Pratt's in it right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I do really like it it's just good I do really like him and it was a good film don't get me wrong but I just was a bit like mmm wasn't your favourite? Oh, I, I no, liked I loved that it. one and um, and Deadpool. Obviously, were like, Deadpool were huge surprises yeah. for me, and the mm. ones that I just keep going back to yeah. to, mm. to watch. But there's only so many times you can watch Guardians of the Galaxy on Netflix without wanting to see more. So I'm really excited that there's another one, um, and I'm glad that it's got lots of excitement and, and explosions because li- it is literally next level action explosion. It's so bright and neon and lovely and like unicorn shit all over it you know like, <laughs> that, is, that is all I can explain it as it's just pure joy yeah you know and um, Karen Grover is that what she's called the girl from no no, no Karen not Karen Gillian. Grover Karen Gillian yes. as you are I think Karen Grover's a girl on my Facebook sorry <laughs> Sorry, Karen. Shout out, Karen on Facebook. Shout out, Karen Grover on Facebook. Hey, Karen. <laughs> uh, Ka- yeah, Karen. she's still in it. She's Nebula. And she's good. Nebula's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That She develops a lot more. We didn't see a lot of her in the first one. Good. And her relationship with Gamora de- develops as well, which yeah. is, is, is good to see. I was, I was about to be like, does it? But I was like, no, they're sisters. That's yes, wrong. they are. Sorry, <laughs> Doesn't, no, no. doesn't develop in that way. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, right, well, we're going to just pop to one more song before the end. Um, I've got one from Pretty in Pink. So we're going a bit oh, school lovely. disco-y now. Oh, cute. Because, have you seen that film? Nope. Everyone, no. Oh, Alexa, get out. I do love Pretty in Pink, um, which is, if anyone's like, what's Pretty in Pink? It's one of the first John ever. John Hughes. John Hughes. Google him and watch all his films. Teen <laughs> movies became teen movies because in the 80s. Because totally. of him. And this film is about a girl, you know, it's like it's like the begin the birth of teen movies. So if yeah, you like basically. teen movies, go back and watch John all of the John Hughes yeah, collection. So this is If You Leave by Pretty and Pink. Back row and chill with Johanna James on Fubar Radio. We are back after that fantastic. Such a good choice. Such a it tune. Was good. It was good. I feel like I'm at an eighties disco and no one's dancing with me. I'm in the corner with my like <laughs> handmade dress on. My handmade dress on, like a puffball. Right. Watch the movie, she makes her own yeah. dress. Oh, oh like, that, I was just laughing was and terrible. I didn't know why I was laughing. Terrible. No, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean I, I used to be into sewing quite a lot, so that film 
It inspired me <laughs> to make my oh, own prom dress. But I never went to prom. I never had a prom. Yeah, we didn't have prom. We didn't have proms in flipping England. I had a prom. Oh, yeah, but you're from the north. For some reason, <laughs> yeah. you don't do proms in England except if you're in the north and all America. In Essex, it is a thing now, obviously. In oh, yeah. Essex, oh, yeah, it is yeah, a obviously. thing now because, you know. But when I was at senior school, which was like about 30 years ago, <laughs> probably about 20. But, um, yeah, no, it wasn't a thing then. Well, Sorry. talking mm. of age and age-appropriate things, uh, while that song was on, we were just discussing, uh, <laughs> is it okay to fancy actors who are, like, a lot younger than you? Uh, right, I'm just going to clarify this. So, what's his name, though? I follow Tom him. Holland. Yeah, oh. New the Spider-Man. new Spider-Man. The new Spider-Man. Can we just, like, confirm his age? Because I'm pretty sure he's 17. Can anybody Let me Does anybody Google. clarify his age for me? How old's Tom Holland? Does anyone know? Because uh, I'm assuming he's a teenager because... Because I know that I he, he's, so. he's definitely in. I'm pretty sure he's a teenager. He must be because he was in the he's Impossible, 20. wasn't it? He's, he's 20. 20, so he would have been. He's 20. Right he been oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. 20, 24, yeah. 20, fine. 20. Basically, what we were discussing was, you know, when you go on, you, you kind of watch a trailer. So I watched the Spider-Man trailer and thought, he's really fit. I'm going to watch interviews with him on YouTube. <laughs> so I watched one. Uh, an hour later, I was 15 interviews <laughs> in. And then you start watching those fan-made videos, which it's is the funny so moment. It's And I literally, you, I do it all the time with yeah, people. I do. I've done it with Nick Robinson. Oh, you I know love that? him. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that as well with him. Nick Robinson, that guy that's going to be in everything everything who's got the just the sexiest haircut in the world at the minute i've done it with him i've done it with cole sprouse i've done it with dylan sprouse i've done it with the bloody ross lynch from austin and ali on the disney channel which is definitely a teenager i think that might be <laughs> you are gonna be one of those cougars yeah you're gonna you're, you're in, you're I mean, in cougar training right now on youtube i mean does anybody else watch those like sometimes it's like funny and cute moments i do yeah, all the time yeah oh thank god for that and like i was saying i'm 10 years older than you so you know this <laughs> yeah. is what's to come so <laughs> ladies when you when you get into when you get past the point where you're starting to watch those fan made music videos oh then then just you know the montage music video then you've got to get out put the ice cream down there is no end and back away from the computer right now because there isn't an end no but once i'll let you into a very dark secret i'm pretty sure this was about matt healy uh who's the lead singer of the 1975 i have a picture of him on my wall i have a canvas of his face on my wall (laughs) love of my life um also has kissed me before um, what? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 you mean you kissed the poster? Yeah. Let's be yeah. Honest, let's be honest. Uh, I watched, uh, I think it was part 12 I got up to in the funny moments. Oh, part 12. Part 12. Oh, wow, that is. You they were only like deep. four minutes long. <laughs> that doesn't make I, it any better. <laughs> for some reason, film film review time has turned into like yeah, I really hope time. I really hope that I didn't know. I don't know why I just said that on the radio because I've met him quite a few times oh as well. Oh my gosh. Oh. So we're getting all the dark secrets out. Mm, live I'm on dead. air. The best place. Great. Well, talking of Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously that's Chris Pratt and we're just also yeah. talking about how hot he's become. God. Everyone's just hot at the minute. Maybe they're putting filters, they're putting Snapchat filters on movies now, so everyone just looks beautiful. I mean, mean, they must have done that to Kurt Russell in the film, I'm telling you. When you watch it, you'll be like, how did this happen? And the the makeup Oscar goes to... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jurassic World 2... Nick Robinson's in that, sorry, carry on. He was in the first one, I love him so much. Watch Kings of Summer, have you seen Kings of Summer? I have, but he's borderline teenager in that one. He's definitely 16 in that. He's not, he's older. No, he is. I'm checking. Wait, was Nick Robinson? I checked. Ladies, he was, was Nick Robinson. Joey. Was he the was he the teenager <laughs> in Jurassic I World? 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. We really are getting quite pervy now, aren't we? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to raise right, this in. No, hang no. Speak. Hang on. Just speak among yourselves. I'm just going to get a picture of him, okay? Right. So, Jurassic World 2. Yeah. Uh, apparently, and I really hope this is true. He's really fit. Jeff Goldblum is back Ooh, for the yeah. second film. I heard about that. Let's um, hope it is true. Yeah. They're going to do more connections to the original Jurassic Park Good. movie um, with the main guy, the main sort of scientist guy. Um, his character is being written in as the the co-owner oh, so of, of um, Richard Attenborough's character. Brilliant. So so it, it looked like in the first film it was just owned by Richard Attenborough. No, mm. there was a co-partner ah. who obviously had all the access to all the dinosaur yeah. DNA, mm-hmm. and so he's now doing something with it, um, of course. Um, so and Sam Neill has been approached, but he said that no, his character is definitely retired and is sick to death of running from dinosaurs. Shut up, Sam Neill. God's so sake. I mean, come on, Sam, you can at least cameo or something stuff. or yeah. play a dinosaur or yeah. something. You know. <laughs> um, uh, but um, Laura, what her name Dern. is Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah. Um, uh, she said that she's not in it, but she would love to be. So I oh, think she's like, anything. I know. What are you doing? She's been quoted as saying she's going to do it. Like, then get her, get to her do back it. in yeah. it, you know. But I'm really excited because obviously the Jurassic World movies just made a shit ton of money. Oh yeah. Um, and so they're going to be keeping pumping these out, which I'm really Good. happy about because I love dinosaurs. So yeah, this is brilliant. Um, and I'm so excited because I think Jeff Goldblum just kind of stole the first movie he did, and didn't he, he made the second one. Totally. Um, so this is welcome brilliant. edition. I've been welcome. scrolling. Okay. <laughs> Um, I can't really find one where he doesn't look really young. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate. Um, like there, maybe? Oh, no. Look, yeah. no, no, that's not a good hang one. On, hang that's on, definitely not a good one. Right. I've scrolled through lots of pages. Ooh, ooh, no, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, right he's then. basically <laughs> he's basically grown his hair out for anyone that cannot see because we're on the radio yes. and uh, he looks very similar to Brooklyn Beckham I think he does oh he's another one that we cannot go near no. ladies <laughs> right let's just stop right there that is the end of the show it turned into a bit of a perv perv parade um, but to the end we've been oh I'm so bad we've been doing all 80s music all of today but I'm going to end on something really modern because I just I'm obsessed with this song I right now I fancy the lead guy in 13 Reasons Why as well yeah, Exactly. So 13 reasons. 20 something. <laughs> For sure. So this is the night we met. And it's like the main sort of theme, love theme from 13 Reasons Why. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Get on Netflix yeah, watch and watch it. it. Very important. It's brilliant. And this song, for anyone out there, if anyone is Netflix and chilling right now to this radio show, ooh, first of all, but to, <laughs> I'm going to help you. So we'll see you next week. This is Back Row and Chill. Bye. Bye. This is a FUBAR radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.